Good evening, TC, and welcome all to our weekly podcast, Terry Curran's The Current View, the Isle of Hillsborough. Mr. Terry Curran, how are you, sir? Are you okay? Steady away? Yeah, steady away. <laughs> what kind of week have you had and what game are you watching? EastEnders has been good this week, hasn't it? I don't watch EastEnders, you know me better than that. Oh, don't I don't watch you? Combination Street, Emmerdale Farm. <laughs> I've got better things to do with my life, something like that. <laughs> It has so, it has been good though this week. To be fair, I, my missus has been watching it, so I've been a little bit intrigued. So I am a couple of minutes late. Uh, magic moments has been lots of magic moments on EastEnders, but what have you sourced for as magic moments on the football pitch, T? Well, I'm going for the goalkeeper, Gabby. Um, again, we do see that many wonderful uh, magic moments in games. Yeah. Whether it be goals or whether it be um, individual uh, piece of skill. But I'm going for the uh, the volley of uh, Amaron and Alison's unbelievable save, yeah. which would have uh, put the icing on the cake for Newcastle. But full credit to um, Liverpool for coming back and, and finishing winning the game. I know there are three mistakes in the game. But I don't know if you saw the, the save. It was an unbelievable save. The action, incredible. Incredible. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, you know... Goals win games and sa- and saves save games and yeah. those moments in the game change the game. It was a game changing moment. But going back to that, Newcastle uh, eleven men, uh, Liverpool ten men. Van Dijk got sent off. I don't agree that that should be a sending off. If I'm honest, because he made an attempt to get the ball. Yeah, okay, he denied him a goal-scoring opportunity. But I think in modern law, it is a sending off. But for me, it's never a sending off. That isn't. But oh, that's a great flick by that uh, that fella there. I don't know who he is, number four. I'm just watching PSV versus um, Rangers. It looks like it could be a decent uh, decent game, this. Uh, Malik Tillman, who used to play for Rangers, is now playing for PSV, so I'm uh, I'm watching that because I, I like the look of that boy whenever I've, I've watched Well, him. Chelsea's getting beat by Wimbledon. Well, again, <laughs> is it Chelsea's reserve team, though, getting beat by I Wimbledon? I know, but it's, it's, they still should be capable of beating the, the, the you know. 100%. You're looking at a Premier League club, I mean, it's not like it used to be. No. You know, no. you're looking at a lot of top players at Chelsea. Uh, and for a big, big, I mean, they don't want to be losing these matches, especially when they haven't won anything for a while. Well, this is it, you know, and we've, we spoke about this situation many times on the po- podcast over the last few years, that teams uh, making light of the League Cup, making 10... Any trophy. Yeah, absolutely. But Any in, trophy. In, yeah, but in particular, this League Cup, and, and Tottenham, Tottenham made nine changes. I mean, it's commonplace for teams to make 11 changes in the League Cup. I mean, they they also do your absolutely spot on on the League Cup. But it seems to be the prioritisation of football for the elite clubs now and for, for other clubs is well, Champions League. No, not at all. They're, they're not, not even bothered about winning a cup. No, they're not. And what's you the point in putting your shirt on? It's going to win the league. Absolutely, 100%. Unless, you know, unless they really concentrate on another Champions League. And, but, I mean, they've got that much strength in depth anyway. Yeah. But, what you know, when you look at Liverpool, Chelsea, uh, Man United, Tottenham, mm-hmm. uh, who's the other one? How they look at not, not wanting to win a trophy is beyond belief. Because 
they can only they, they can't win the league, so they can only finish in the top three or top four. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a Champions League place, right? I get it. It's there's a lot of money involved, mm. and it can help bring in better players. Yeah. But why would you not want to win the trophy? I don't yeah, know. Even it's beyond London, me. Why would you not want to have on your CV an uh, Elite Cup uh, winners medal or a FA Cup winners medal? You know, it, I just find it. Well, well, the world has changed, hasn't it? The it is. It's it, baffling. The more I think about it, you it's know. baffling. I mean, you look at it in old money when there used to be one team in the European Cup. We used to have what four teams was it in the UEFA Cup and one team in the Cup Winners Cup, and you know that was the the contingent of of English clubs that was in Europe back in the day. Now these days, their medal is finishing third or fourth, and now fifth in the Premier League to get that place into the Champions League. In well, my opinion, it's all wrong. The honour of priority is to yeah, finish get in the top four. Absolutely, it's a metaphoric medal, isn't it? That's yeah. what that's what their goal is. Their goal is to finish in the top four, now the top five, so they can get in the Champions League and they forget the is FA the Cup. Five, yeah, I believe it's top five this year because it's extending next year, isn't it? So I think there's five English clubs that will be in the Champions League next year. I mean, eventually, with the Club World Cup as well and the um, the Americans and the Saudi Arabians and the landscape is changing and I fully believe, and we've mentioned this many times on the podcast, that it will be a Super League and it won't just be a European Super League. It'll be a World Super League. They'll get it all together and the rich will get richer and, and the, the and the others won't. And I think you're right. There's going to be a couple of leagues. There'll be a women's league. And then the rest of the football pyramid, as we know, it, it won't exist in, well, in a generation's I, time. I, I think... I, I, I see that. I see where you're coming from, from that angle. Mm. I really do. But it all depends what happens with the next election in America. Mm. I think you're 100% right if uh, the Democrats uh, stay in power. Mm. Everything, the, the demographics of everything will change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I think, it, well, I don't think, I, I'm convinced Trump's going to give in. I don't think the women's football, the women's football can't sustain it without the backing. No, I mean, somebody, the, men, the men's football has, to, has propped has it to, up. Somebody has to lose. Absolutely, too. One of them has to lose. And what I mean by one of them, I don't mean the Premier League or the women. I'm talking about the next three divisions. Mm. Championship, League One, League Two. Can't sustain it. No, they can't. But hopefully people and fans are wising up. There was on the bank holiday a big non-league day and the, the attendances were quite fantastic. So many non-league teams taking great numbers away from home now. So, And the game is getting more expensive. I want to talk about that a little bit later in the podcast, The Price of Football. Um, but my magic moments come as no uh, surprise there. Jay Stansfield's goal for <laughs> Birmingham City against Plymouth. And I spoke to my grandkids after that both 
both of them went down. And that little Bo said, my dad threw me around like a ragdoll. And I <laughs> I almost wet myself when Jack Stansfield scored. I did see Edward, who's one of the directors today. He's still there. Like Edward, he's a good lad. And I did say, pass on that message to Jay. He made my grandson wet himself when Birmingham scored. And that's what the game of football is all about. I thought Messi's pass and goal was quite phenomenal. And yeah. also Jared Bowen, tremendous pass, the way he took it, and he just stuck it in the uh, onion bag against Brighton. I was very impressed with, um, yeah, him, with that lad. West Ham. I mean, I th- Brighton now. But mm. West Ham have really, really set off well. I, could, I mean, Antonio looked again a million dollars. Perhaps he was carrying an injury last season. He didn't seem particularly happy. And I think that when you start off and you're not doing well and you're losing games and their their form in the league wasn't well, it was awful, wasn't it? But first, per, personally, um, looking at Everton, I've got that trophy, that first trophy, and yeah. they're wanting. It look, boys is looking as though now he's wanting to uh, play on the front foot. Absolutely, and that's going to help. You strike as you, I mean, we've discussed this yeah, we when Benitez, whoever's been at Newcastle, yeah, you know, uh, and they've always been renowned for their number nines up at Newcastle, yeah. And over the last few years, they haven't had a striker what was, you know, nowhere near it, did 12 goals near mine, yeah. 25 30 goals. Mm. Uh, so boys, his team West Ham, he's got them playing on the front foot, and I think they've got some really tremendous uh players as well. In that West Ham, not just the team, but the squad. So watch West Ham. And it, Looks it, well balanced. Yeah, it does. I think, again, you're right. I mean, he's done it, doing a great job. And long mate, continue. I'm a big fan of Paqueta. Uh, Jared Bowen, I think he's going from strength to strength. And I always liked um, Ben Rama as well. I think he's a fine player. Again, I think they've just got some really, really good football players I like to watch. I'll only speak, I'll only speak on my own behalf. I don't want to criticise other people. But, yeah. Um, I'm the first to knock David Moyes in the way how his teams are played. Absolutely, same. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I do it with a constructive criticism, not yep. sake of criticising people. You know, but I'm, I'm first to turn around and say, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me. I'm first to turn around and say, you know, they look a different team, and he, he looks yeah. a different manager. He, look, he looks as though he's he's got a smile on his face, and Absolutely. he's he's he, he's not wanting his teams to win. He's thinking his teams are going to win now. Yeah. Now, when the players see that, that that's that in itself helps the players because they're feel more happy. The manager's happy. Yeah. Absolutely, it it looks like a, a happy place, West Ham at the moment. Very much so. And as you say, they're playing on the front foot. The players are going to be happy because they're actually trying to score goals. And uh, as I say, long may continue because it's always nice to see uh, fresh and uh, other teams around the top of the table. And good to see Villa off to, uh, again, another uh, winning way at Burnley. Um, last Sunday, tremendous three-one away win for the I Villa boys. Yeah, got, got a lot of lot of pace to up again. Yeah. A lot of pace up front. Villa, he's really doing a great job. Unai Emery, and going back to the Liverpool game. Well done to uh, Darwin Nunes as well, scoring oh. uh, a brace. Tremendous strikes, both of them. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and uh, that will give him a lot of confidence. But yeah. you, so with some players, you have given, you've got to give them that little bit of time to settle in. And maybe he's one of those what's 
uh, needed that bit of time to settle in. But Liverpool have been hit and miss, haven't they? You know what I mean, themselves. So, uh, like you say, great to see him get two, get two great goals and, you know, uh, help Liverpool get a win. Absolutely. Book Corner in association with myfootballbooks.com, uh, TC. Uh, our most recent podcast, part 13 of our football book podcast, is out this uh, this week. Chris has been a little bit held up at work. One of his, one of his staff, I've got to tell you, one of his staff tried to cook an egg in a microwave and it didn't end well. Um, unbelievable. I've seen somebody do that before. I've seen Unbel- somebody do that. Unbelievable, Jeff. I've seen the evidence, the photographic evidence, and it no, ain't no, I've good. seen somebody cooking egg in a, in a microwave. And they didn't it injure themselves. They might have been on YouTube. And they didn't injure themselves. They didn't injure themselves. No, no, no. It, it shows you how to cook an egg. So, whatever, you, whatever he's done, <laughs> what he done? Just put it on the on the plate itself. When I say a plate. I have, plate I have no idea what she done, but her arm is like, oh, it just looks like a war wound, mate. It looked, it looks absolutely horrendous. So he's had to be working his backside off covering jobs. So as a consequence, it hasn't been uh, produced yet, but it will be coming out shortly. Uh, first book that I'm going to give a shout out to, I gave it a shout out to last week as well. Give it to more. Who will score? The biography by Stuart Humphreys and Richard Harrison. I'm going to be doing a podcast with the great Ian Story Moore next week, and we're going to be focusing game of my life. And it was that iconic game that he played in 1967, April 67, when Nottingham Forest knocked out Everton in the FA Cup quarter final. And we're going to look at the cup. Uh, run as a whole. It was one of the great cup runs of Nottingham Forest. Obviously, pre-Clough, um, Nottingham Forest in 67-67 season, come second in the league to Manchester United and got knocked out of the FA Cup in the semi-final uh, against Tottenham Hotspur. So, it was their greatest season uh, at that time. So, we're well, going to be really... season then? Yeah, 66-67, yeah. Yeah, Chelsea Tottenham final, weren't Yes, you it know, was. That was the final, yeah. final that nearly never happened. The uh, there was a, a well. If you want to listen to the story, go on to my life, my music, and Alan Hudson tells a fantastic story about how he nearly made his debut with his brother in the nineteen sixty seven FA Cup final against Tottenham. Classic Alan Hudson. Uh, and if you go on to our Patreon site, guys, all the W's dot Patreon dot com forward slash SRB media you will get all of those podcasts and uh, second up the three kings is the book that Andy has recommended this week and on this day the 2nd of September 1913 the great Bill Shankly was born the book is also a DVD video by uh, Johnny Owen Johnny Owen done the uh, the video um, the documentary and Leo has written the book so there's a book and video and it's about the makers of the modern game Busby, Shankly, Jockstein, The Three Kings by Johnny Owen and the book by Leo Monaghan. I bet that's an interesting book though. Oh, it's fantastic, it's a great book and it's a great DVD as well, tremendous uh, insight to three great men of football, Jockstein, Bill Shankly and Sir Matt Busby. And, and again, when I say an insight, 
I mean, a great insight. There's lots of nuggets that I previously didn't know. And they were all miners as well. So they, they all went underground. And, uh, and, and I suppose Jock was the only one really that didn't come south and really cut it in the English first division. Matt Busby certainly did. And Bill Shankly transformed Liverpool. But, you know, the Lisbon Lions, uh, Jock Steen was the first manager to bring first the British European manager, Cup yeah. yeah, back to the shores of Great Britain with the great uh, Lisbon Lions Celtic. Yeah, brilliant. Great achievement. And, what I mean, what a great team he, he built there, Jockstein. They were a I fan- used to love watching little Jimmy Johnson, me. Oh, I mean, was it... You know, when people talk about world-class players and the greatest of all time, little Jinky's always one that's that's forgotten. Got to be in there. What a, what a player. I mean, he was just phenomenal and probably the only world-class player that ever went missing on a rowing boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, that was a great story in itself. Oh, fantastic. The great Jimmy Johnson, the great Celtic, and all of them Celtic players were um, Glaswegians bar uh, Bobby Lennox, who was an Ayrshire lad, and uh, most of those were, were born within a radius of, uh, of Parkhead as the Celtic uh, faithful called Paradise. So, wonderful book, The Three Kings, uh, story of Busby, Shankly and Steen. And we'll be going out tonight with Alan Hudson's story about the great Jock Steen, an absolute classic. And thirdly, uh, one that I've picked out, Rock and Roll Soccer by Ian Plenderleith. And it tells the story, the short life and the fast times of the North American Soccer League, um, one of the great leagues of the 70s. And it was on the 28th of the... Of this month, August 1977, that Seattle Sounders played against the New York Cosmos in Soccer Bowl 1977. And Adrian Webster, who captained the Seattle Sounders that day, has written a book, Soccer Bowl 77. It's all about the run-up, all about the final, all about the movers and shakers and the players. And a great little read by Adrian Webster. And you can listen to a Legends of the 70s podcast with uh, with Adrian on our Patreon sites. Or just go on to your usual places where you listen to the podcasts, Spotify, Acast, etc. And listen to Adrian talk about those wonderful Alcyon days of the NASL. But Ian Plenderleith has put it in his book, Rock and Roll Soccer. The Short Life and Fast Times of the North American Soccer League. And there's a picture of Pelé there with a ball in his left hand, waving to the crowd and a massive smile. And there was a smile on Pelé's face that day because it was his last competitive game in America and they did win at the Soccer Bowl in 1970. Yeah, no, listen, uh, now you're talking about American soccer. Mm. Did did, did you see, I'm I'm sure I've I've read something where... uh, since the message gone to that Miami... Um, yep, into Miami. 200, into Miami. Mm. They've made £280 million. Yep. It, it, I'm just going to talk about it here because it is one of the talking points that I did want to mention this week. Uh, message so generated... That tells you, that tells you yeah. that, or tells people, mm. that we don't discuss these things before. And if you were to talk about that... No, because, absolutely. Because, because, you because you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I, I thought... 
it's incredible. He's only been there two minutes. They've made him 280 odd million quid. Absolutely. I, I looked at it the other day and I posted it onto the current view. It that's, got, that's what I've seen it. Yeah, it got messages generated $265 million in ticket sales since joining the I've major leagues. Yeah. yeah. And they've had. I thought I'd read the bloody thing. Yeah, yeah, 300,000. I can't post out on groups because it, it, what it says. Posting something like sexy, but I'm thinking I'm not posting don't sexy on a on a. I don't even post don't. Oh, really? Rude on 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 my wall. So so I've got a 29 day or a, is it 39 day ban or something? I don't know. Well, I've just posted that video of um, what's his name, Ruby Ellers, because they they had that kiss. We did talk about it briefly. Uh, last week, the Spanish president, um, to that, and I don't even know what her name is. I'm not really that interested. I think they're making a mountain out of a molehill. But there's a video that's going around. It's from the Daily Mail uh, online, sport online, and I've posted it to the current view. It's the Spanish ladies, which looks as though it's a Spanish lady. Well, it is the Spanish ladies team after um, that World Cup final. She, the player has got the phone of her and the president with a kiss. She's laughing her ass off. All the other players are shouting Beto, 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 which means apparently kiss in in Spanish. And it doesn't look to me as though that kid is absolutely distraught after what went on with Rubiales, I think his name is. It doesn't look as though she's a broken lady. It doesn't look as though any of them Spanish players are broken. It doesn't look like any sexual, um, whatever, they're putting a sexual crime. It looks as though it's an absolute stitch-up. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. And, and I think I'm... you're right there. And have you, I mean, I... <clears throat> I was looking, there's been little clips of, on um, Notting Hill Carnival. Okay. You've seen some, some of these things, what's going off down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and they're making this guy out to be yeah, yeah. a really bad guy. Now, yeah. I haven't seen enough of it, but Same I, I did see him kiss her. Yep. But she didn't pull her head back or anything like that or anything. And at the time, I've seen That's pictures. That's what I'm about at the time. Yeah, at the kiss, at the time, she was laughing and she was yeah. laughing on either a coach or a train or a plane. Couldn't work out what they were on. But she was looking. She got this, the screenshot of the kiss. And she was laughing. Just like she was laughing when he actually kissed her. So, you know, that doesn't look as though it's sexual misconduct case to me. It looks as though it's a witch hunt. I don't like what's going on. We always say on the current... Cancel the culture. Yeah, absolutely. We it follow... Is. We follow. Yeah. We've got to start to turn this around. Absolutely, turn this is what lots of people are saying. I know there's the same two rights don't make a wrong. No, absolutely. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. And we want, you know, we want we, the well, truth. Once they start to get cancelled, these yeah. uh, woke people. Yeah. I wonder what's going to happen then. I wonder how they will feel. Absolutely, T. So on the current view, we follow. The story, not a story, as you always say. And I just want to give a shout out to some of our uh, patrons and some of our uh, contributors to the group. So we're uh, Tim Castling, uh, David Hathaway, Ross Hadley, John Brindley, Jean Phillips, Richard Mee, Tarina Savage, Stephen Finchett, Mark Cooper, Paul Waits and Andy Satchwell. So thank you all for your contributions, your thank time you, yes. and your support. Much appreciated. 
Absolutely, and we're going to any time. And any time they want to ask us any questions or want to talk us, want us to talk about anything in football, just put the the messages through to you, and we'll we'll go through them all. Absolutely, I'll private message a few of the guys, and we will do a feature. Ask TC. So, guys, don't ask TC on the current view, but if you've got a question for Terry, link up with us. Give us the question and we will discuss your question on the current view and we'll yeah. give you a mention as well. Uh, loans to transfer windows closing Friday. It's the 1st of September. I don't know where these eight months have gone, but they have gone. Uh, the window is closing. What do you make of the loans? Because I can't get my head around the fact that these multi-million pound companies are loaning players out to the same, the to clubs in the same league. I just don't think it's right. I know you don't. I know you don't. No, I don't. It, I don't get it. I, I look at it from a from a from a player's point of view. Yeah. Uh, if he's not giving a game, you know, uh, the loan the loans have always been good for, especially for young for younger players. Yeah. To yeah. Get that bit of experience uh, in things. So, but I see where you're coming from. Mm. But football's getting more difficult for players. Yes. Especially young players coming through football clubs to break into teams. Yeah. I mean, with the. Well, only get into teams now, a lot of them, well, three quarters of them now, uh, unless you get an exceptional kid, what will get in. But nine times out of ten now, they've, they've got to get a loan, hope they do well, and then they get bought to get established. Because if you stay there, you don't make any money, practically. Yeah. Well, you do you do now in this day and age of football, but if you're loyal to the club, you know uh, nine times out of ten, especially in my day, uh, to earn money, you would have to, to make a to get a move. But a lot of these, and then you got a proper wage, you got a proper a wage rise. Absolutely, but the, a lot of these big clubs, the elite clubs, and this is where I'm going. This is why I don't like it. <clears throat> buying all these players, and then they buy the players, and then they loan the player out. Whereas in old money, they wouldn't be able to do that, or they didn't do that, and and players would go and play for, say, for instance, Nottingham Forest or Everton or Aston Villa or Birmingham City or Sheffield Wednesday. Some of the more, I wouldn't say more intelligent you... players, but they'd go and play for, say, a Colchester or a, you know, you'd see them come come through the ranks at the at the lower clubs, earn the stripes, play the football, rather than going straight at the top end what, and then sit on the bench and do nothing. What I what I don't like about transfer uh, transfers in today mm. um, is that these teams like your Manchester Cities and the Chelsea's and Man United's they buy and buy and buy. Well this is what I'm saying then they're whereas, out. Whereas mm. whereas um as year gone by, you would get, you would get. Um, I was going to say then, Dennis just sent me a message. I thought put me off. Well, what you get, what you get, you'd have six or seven, eight players at the top team. Yeah. Then in the middle of the tables, you would have about four or five. Mm -hmm. Just a bit lower than that, you'd have three twos. Yeah. And at bottom, you'd have at least one star player in your team. Yeah. But even all that seems to uh, deteriorated. Absolutely, you know, that's what I don't like about it. You know, and then you don't get the the the, the fall away from when they when they go into a, into the thirties. I know they've got a lot of money, mm. but you would still think they'd want to play football. But 
they have that much money now they can retire early well not saying retire early but once they're finished they retire and move on to pastures new don't they absolutely but again I, whether it's being coached you know you know they set up their own businesses yeah it, it, again incredible that you know the the amount of pla- i mean manchester united they're they're talking about having um Kukuraya on loan from chelsea Chelsea spent £60 million. They know what this player's like. They've watched him play at Brentford. They keep telling us about all this data, all this analysis, all these words that they use, these clever words so they know everything. They know how many times this this player goes to the toilet. Yet, they're having the player on loan. We're not sure about the player. You well, want to buy a player or you City don't. Want to play on why would Manchester City want to play on loan? Well, it's Manchester United, isn't it? They're, they're going oh, to loan him, yeah, because of uh, Luke. No, no, Luke Shaw. Uh, Luke Shaw's injured, so they want to buy this oh, player right, so on loan. But for me, you either buy a player or you don't buy a player. You you shouldn't be able to use the loan uh, situation and bring in a player on loan if you have got lashings of amounts of money. I mean, Chelsea have got that much money. But why would Chelsea want to do that? You know, because they're going to be fighting for the top four. Well, again, if they're loaning it off to Manchester United. Well, again, that's that's another thing. But with a player that they do want to get rid of, they'll probably loan him with an option to buy because they they clearly look at him and think, well, you know, we bought a pig in a poker, yeah, and we want to get we want to get rid of him, and it's a way of getting these players off the wage bill. I mean, because Chelsea clearly are struggling because they've stopped the ten pounds subsidiary for the, uh, the the way travel for disabled and uh, and some of their most loyal supporters that go away from Stamford Bridge and watch Chelsea Football Club. Uh, so you, when you look at the game of football, it just beggars belief at times what is allowed these days. And then they come all these cobblers with the financial fair play. It doesn't mean the thing because they get round it no matter what way you want to wrap it up. Exactly. The big clubs will still get... So get exactly. rid of it because <clears throat> all it's hindering is the smaller clubs, if a guy comes in and owns the smaller club, they actually can't compete with the bigger club because they can't spend the amount of money that's needed to get up to there in the first place. And to listen to the rest of this podcast, head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash SRB Media. Thank you.